You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello again, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and we're here today discussing the New York Giants as the offseason rolls along. We're past the Super Bowl now. We're a few weeks away from the NFL Combine From the beginning of free agency, we're about uh, two and a half to three months away from the NFL draft. In a little bit, we will be talking to special guest John Schmelk of Giants.com as we break down what's happened so far with the Giants this offseason. But uh, first, just wanted to talk about a few things uh, related to the Giants, related to what's been going on at Big Blue View Wanted to remind you guys, had Scott Wright of Draft Countdown on Monday's Valentine's Views podcast. Hope you had an opportunity to listen to that. If not, please circle back and do that. Lots of good draft-related information there. Scott's always uh, informative, always a good guest, been a guy that... uh, that I've had on the show several times over the years, always has lots of good information about the Giants. So please uh, take take the time to give that a listen uh, if you if you haven't done so already. couple of things to be aware of at Big Blue View as we roll through the offseason. We've begun profiling potential free agent targets for the Giants. We know the Giants have a decent amount of cap space. We know that their intent is is at least uh, what they've said so far is that they don't really want to uh, to go on a free agent spending spree, but you know, they're they're likely to to sign a few free agents obviously. So we will be uh, we'll be going through potential targets, guys that we think might be able to help the Giants in 2020 and beyond so please look for those also please remember to check out chris flum's draft prospect profiles as we get you ready for that leading up to the combine and the nfl draft we'll have those profiles and lots of other draft related coverage coming up as well so you know please keep looking for that as we get you ready for the 2020 nfl draft All right, with that said, Giants fans, let's turn our attention to the interview that I pre-recorded with John Schmelk of Giants.com. All right, Giants fans, as we get deeper and deeper into the offseason, there's a lot to talk about with your New York Giants. It seems like the offseason has already gone on forever. And uh, here to help me talk about and break down some of the things that have happened so far this offseason for your Giants 
is John Schmelk of Giants.com. John, thank you very much for, for spending some time today. Ed, what's going on? And the rest of the NFL has now joined the Giants in the offseason. We're not going to have another NFL game for pretty, basically seven months. So buckle up, or six months, I should say. Something like that. And, you know, it, it, I don't know about you, but it, it feels like the, the offseason for the Giants has already gone on forever. Yeah, it has. And, you know, uh, all the stuff about assistant coaches, new head coach, coordinator. So it's certainly been a very, very busy early January. Uh, and I think Giant fans hope shortly they'll be worrying about games in early January and not all this other stuff. There you go. There you go. Hey, before we get too far into this, why don't you tell folks uh, what, uh, you know, what shows you're involved in over at Giants.com and, and what you guys might have coming up? Yeah, I appreciate that, Ed. Uh, we have our Giants Podcast Network, which features a show that we've been doing now, boy, for probably almost 10 years. That's Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is still daily, Monday through Friday, 12 to 1 live. Then you can also find it on its own podcast platform. We're on all the good podcast platforms. Just search for Big Blue Kickoff Live. You can find it. Uh, we also have our new Giants Huddle Podcast, which launched early in the year which is kind of a long-form interview podcast. Uh, we have a couple good ones up that went up over the weekend. We have Tom Coughlin and Michael Strahan on Eli Manning, and we have uh, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus breaking down the senior bowl prospects. And this week we have an interview with Pat Kerwin, former general manager on Sirius XM NFL Radio, kind of breaking down uh, Joe Judge, what the Giants' plan should be this offseason, things like that. And then we also have Giants Rewind with Carl Banks, and we should have a new one with Carl coming up in the next week or two, uh, talking about the Giants' decisions with their coaching staff and uh, breaking down the roster a little bit. So just go to giants.com slash podcast and you can find all our podcast offerings, where to find them. And you can of course search for them individually on all your favorite podcast platforms. All right. All right. You know, Giants fans, I don't know why you wouldn't get enough Giants coverage at big blue view, but uh, over at giants.com, <laughs> you can find John's work. You know, if you absolutely have to have more, you know, then you know where to get it. I appreciate that. Ed. Thank you. No, no problem. And hey, before we before we get too deep into this, I have to, I have to just say, John, I'm really, really sorry about your Knicks. It's the same thing every year, Ed. Uh, <laughs> depending on when people are listening to this, it's either going to be a day or two before the trade deadline, or we're going to be past the trade deadline. And I've just already prepared myself to be really, really annoyed at whatever they end up doing. Uh You've probably been annoyed now for what, 15 years or so, maybe more. <laughs> Long, pretty, 2001. This is, is pretty much when everything started going really, really bad. All right. So let's let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's actually get into the Giants a little bit. And you know, we we talked just a bit about how long it seems the off season's already been. So many things have already changed for the Giants since the end of the 2019 season. The biggest one of those, of course, is that the Giants have a new head coach. And I know you've been around Joe Judge a little bit. You know, we, we have no idea what kind of head coach Joe Judge is going to be in the long run. But just your initial thoughts on, on Joe Judge, you know, from, uh, from having been around him a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think your initial point is an important one. I just want to echo it. Until you see this guy do the job, you know, what he says is, and what he stands for and where he comes from is all great. It's informative. It's important. But until you see the guy do the job for the first time, no one really knows what type of head coach he's going to be. And I think Tom Rock tweeted this out 
while the Giants head coaching search was going on, and he said people talk about the draft being a crapshoot and, you know, things like that. But really hiring a head coach, unless he's done it before at the NFL level, you really don't know what type of coach he's going to be, which is why it's so exciting. And I think they found somebody that has as good of a, a resume in terms of guys he's coached under as you can imagine. So I think he checks all the boxes there. He seems to be, and this is kind of what strikes me the most that about being around him is that he doesn't just spew football cliches and, you know, things you've heard before and doesn't just say things that people want to hear. He seems to have some deeply held beliefs and has a lot of reasons for why he has those beliefs. And it goes back to a lot of the Belichick stuff. You know, adjust your game plan every week. What can your players do? Don't worry about what they can't do. You know, things like that. And I like the fact that the coach seems to have thought pretty deeply about these things and has a lot of philosophy and really hardwired um, philosophy and thoughts about why he's going to do things a certain way. And, you know, things like teaching, too, where, you know, he comes from a teaching family and he has very, very specific ideas of how he wants to teach this team. And when you have a team that's very young, it's very important to have a good teacher to kind of get these guys where they're trying to go. Yes, it is. And, you know, I, I, I keep thinking about something that, that John Mara said, you know, when, when the announcement was made that the Giants would go with Joe Judge as head coach. And, and one of the things he said was, it's hard to get this right. I, you know, I can remember when the Giants hired Ben McAdoo as head coach. Other than the suit that he wore, there were a lot of reasons to be optimistic about McAdoo. There were a lot of reasons to feel good about the Pat Shermer hire. Um, you know, it seemed like the right thing for the Giants to do at the time. This, this feels good right now with Joe Judge. It feels like, like a, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about him, but it's hard to get this right. You, it's, it's easy to be optimistic right now, but, but getting the right head coach, I think you get – Teams get this wrong more than they get it right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how, just, you can count on two hands how many coaches in the NFL that are head coaches that you think are true difference makers, right? I mean, there just aren't that many of them. And I think if you go back and, and you take – I don't know if fans have done this. I don't know if you've done this on, on, on Big Blue View, Ed. If you take a look at the other candidates, and not just at the Giants interview, that everybody interviewed the years that the Giants hired McAdoo and Shermer – it's not like any of these other candidates have been, you know, lighting the house on fire either. So there just aren't that many guys out there because it, it takes such a, such a perfect combination of the coach with the talent, the timing, the general manager being right for a head coach to succeed. He needs help to, to make it happen. So, yeah, this is a really hard, hard thing to hit. And unless you're hiring a coach that already has extensive success at the NFL level, you really are going in uncharted waters. And you just think you talk to a guy, you think, he, you know, that, that he's the right guy for the job. But let's be honest. I mean, John Mara and these guys have, have done a lot of research on Joe Judge, right? But how much time have they really spent around him doing football stuff? So you're really trying to project. And this is what it's like when you're hiring any employee in, 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 in any field, right? You do an interview, you do your research, you get to know him the best you can, and you think this guy is going to be good at what you're hiring him to do. But until you see him in that chair and doing it, you really don't know. Absolutely. I, one of the reasons to feel good, though, I think, is when you look at his philosophy and the things that he says – it's almost surprising to me 
how well it sort of meshes with the things we've heard over the last couple of years from, from Dave Gettleman, which yeah. when you look at the age difference and the experience difference and, and the fact that it's entirely possible Gettleman's been doing this since before Joe Judge was born, that, that it, it surprises me you know, how well they seem to mesh in terms of the way that they think. And you're 100% right. And this is a point that I made, and this was one of my main takeaways when I wrote a story for Giants.com uh, the day after the press conference. A lot of times when you bring in a new head coach and he's coming in with a GM who's been there, the head coach has different ideas and a different way he wants to play. And you're going to have to have a, a big liquidation of many guys on the roster, right? But I really believe, based on what Joe Judge has said, based on what Dave Gettleman has said and done and the type of players he's brought in as general manager, that this is a fit. I think Joe Judge is going to like a lot of the players that Gettleman has in place here already in terms of the type of players they are, the type of people that they are, the culture that they set in the locker room. I think these guys, much like you said, are very much in lockstep. And I think that's going to help not uh, having a bump in the road here and having to take a little bit of a step back before you could take steps forward with the new head coach. Because I think Dave Gettleman's been putting the pieces in place to win the way Joe Judge wants to win before he's even walked in the door. Yeah, I think that's a good point because that's exactly what we saw when when Dave came in with Pat Shermer is that the Giants had to take that step back. They had to... Yeah. Although, although Dave would never use the R word, he would never use the rebuild word, they had to tear down before they started to build up. And, and I think that's a really good point. I don't see where the Giants are at, as at a teardown point. No, I think that process has concluded already. Uh, we, we've been calling it kind of a, a roster transformation and that's kind of what's undergone, uh, you know, that's what this team's undergone the last two years, where, I mean, there's just not many guys left. I mean, I think it was, it was startling when I took a look at Patrick Graham's roster when he was here, and this wasn't long ago. He was, you know, Ben McAdoo's defensive line coach. That was just 2017. I mean, it's not a long time ago. Ed, do you know there's only one player left from that defense still on the team in Dalvin Tomlinson? I mean, that's I crazy. Say, when, I was going to say, when you, when you said one player, the, the name that came to mind is Dalvin Tomlinson, and you're absolutely right. That is crazy, that kind of turnover. And, and I don't know about you, but John Mara always talks about, and he's talked about this for years, the Giants' inability to build a core of young players, a group of guys you know, that they drafted and developed and were able to get, you know, as, as young leaders and able to bring and, and give second contracts to. I look at, are you as optimistic about this core that they have right now, you know, as I am in terms of guys they can, they can go forward with? I think this is a really important year for a lot of guys. I think, uh, does B.J. Hill take another step this year? Does Lorenzo Carter kind of emerge heading into his third year? What do these young defensive backs do? 
with another year under their belt? Do they take a step forward? Um, I think offensively, their roster's in great shape. You have Sterling Shepard long-term. Evan Ingram's got to stay healthy. We know he's a talented player, but he's got to stay healthy. Um, I think Will Hernandez needs to take a step in, in, in year number three. So I think, I think we're in the middle of a process here of these young guys becoming upper echelon NFL players. Can they get there? Do they take that next step? How does that go? I do think that's something to keep an eye on here because these young guys certainly have talent, and, and I think they're good guys. They fit. They have, they have good character, good culture. So I, I think all of that is a great, great sign. But based on how this defense performed this year, Ed, and look, I think everybody watched it, it, it wasn't great. So I think we need to see these young guys, especially on defense, continue to progress, take that next step, and continue to improve. I think they can do it. I think it's in them, but they've got to go out there and do it. John, I want to take a quick break right here for a word from our sponsors. We'll come back and we'll actually talk about uh, about Patrick Graham, Jason Garrett, and, and maybe some Giants off-season priorities when we come back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. Instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Giants fans, Ed Valentine back here on the Valentine's Views podcast talking with John Schmelk of Giants.com. And what uh, what I mentioned that we wanted to get into before the break, I want to talk about uh, some of the Giants coaching staff that Joe Judge has hired, and we'll keep that to the ones that uh, that have been officially announced by the Giants. 
a little bit before the break, we were talking about the Giants' defense and, and how it, it underperformed in 2019. New defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. John, I know you've had a chance to talk with Patrick. I know, you know since he was with the Giants previously as defensive line coach, you've been around him a little bit. Just thoughts on, on the Giants bringing in Graham. Yeah, look, I, when I talked to him, the word that he kept using was multiple. And he wants his defense to be multiple. And I think that means different fronts. I think that means switching between 4-3 and 3-4, depending on your opponent, how much you blitz, how much you play coverage. The one thing in Miami he consistently did was blitz a lot and play man-to-man the secondary. So those are the two things he did fairly consistently in Miami. But we saw a lot of different looks up front. Uh, There were a few plays that I found where he literally stood up seven to eight guys at the line of scrimmage and no one was even in the three-point stance. And the quarterback had to guess who was coming. So I think he's somebody that is very much going to change things week to week. And I think what you like about that is when you have a coach that's willing to be flexible, um, you have the ability to kind of morph your defense around the talent on the roster, which is something else that I love what Joe Judge said at his introductory press conference, where, you know, you look at the players, see what they can do, and then you build your defense around that. And that's something similar Jason Garrett said to me about the offensive players on this team too. So I think that is something that Patrick Graham is going to do. Uh, but I do think bringing pressure and playing man are going to be two things that are, are fairly consistent coming over from Miami. It's interesting, John, because obviously Joe Judge, you know, comes from the the Nick Saban, Bill Belichick coaching tree. You know, heavy influence from New England. So does Patrick Graham, and, and everybody talks about that whole New England philosophy. And and this is a story that Jonathan Casillas told me a few years ago about the Patriots. He got traded from I think it was New Orleans, or I forget whether it was New Orleans or Tampa Bay, to the Patriots in mid-season and he was worried about he was worried about well how am I going to learn the playbook how am I going to learn this defense and and he told me that he wasn't even given a playbook he was all the players told him was look we get a completely different game plan every week it has nothing to do with what we've done previously it has nothing to do with what we'll do next week just learn the game plan every week and you'll be fine and yep. I don't know. I don't know that you can get to that point, you know, with, with with the Giants' defense. And I don't know if Patrick Graham intends to to be that much of a of a chameleon kind of on defense. But I like this idea of, of being multiple and doing different things. I, I I just I feel good about that. I mean, just the other thing I guess I want to ask about is your impressions, your memories of Graham you know, from, from when he was defensive line coach. Yeah, look, and, and I, I remember it, I, being at the locker when Casillas told that story, and, and I, I actually wrote about that um, a couple weeks ago, and he actually asked for it, and I think the coaches told him, ah, we don't really have a defensive playbook. He's like, well, there's got to be some basic things you did in training camp that can, that can apply here, right? And they're like, no, not really. And he, he like, couldn't believe it. He was flabbergasted by it. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I love the idea. I love the concept. And I, I'm with you. I think considering how young the roster is, to think you can get there right away now is probably asking a lot. I think that's something you probably build up to to a certain extent. 
Um, but when he was here as a defensive line coach, I talked to him a few times. Um, you know, assistant just didn't talk all that much. So, look, I think he was a good coach. Obviously, he's a smart guy. He's a guy, I think, Yale graduate, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yale guy, Graham? I believe so, so yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, a, he, he's an Ivy League guy, and he's one of those guys that, that is considered a teacher. So uh, the one thing I, I – looking at the tape from Miami last year, look, they traded away everybody. They were playing undrafted free agents all over the place. The roster was a mess. That was a complete rebuild and a, and, and, and a complete teardown. And, and him and his coaches there were a victim of that for their first year, right? But – Watching the Dolphins before the Giants played them late in the year, and I wrote about this on the website, it struck me that even though maybe the talent wasn't there on both sides of the ball, how well coached they were. And they always seemed to be in the right place. They didn't blow coverages. They played the right technique. And I think that does speak to the coaching job that Grant did there as defensive coordinator. It's funny that you mentioned that, John, because here's what I thought when I watched Miami before the Giants played them, and I'm just going to get your comment on this. Pat sure. Shermer kept talking about how young the Giants were and how they had to develop their players and, and how eventually they would get better and learn how to win. And when I watched the Dolphins from beginning of season two, to end of season as a young team with all of those undrafted, unproven players, I kept looking at them and thinking, the Dolphins right now are what the Giants really want to be, which is a young team that's getting better. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And I think you saw that improvement. I mean, I went back, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but in their first game, and they didn't early buy, uh, they didn't really buy the Dolphins, I think, in week five. In their first four games, they were something like minus 150 point differential or something like that. And then the rest of the year, they're only like minus 20 or minus 30 or, or, or something like that. And it just showed the improvement they made. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick getting inserts and starting lineup, I think, certainly helped that. But their defense went from one that couldn't stop anybody, that was just getting lit up every single game, to one that was at least – competent to the point where they beat the Patriots the last game of the year when the Patriots needed that game uh, to get a bye. So it, it was a significant, and that, by the way, ended up knocking the Patriots out of the playoffs in the first round. So, um, and got the Chiefs the bye, eventually goes on to, you know, win the Super Bowl. So, you know, you're right. They improved, and they were a young team that got better. And even though they weren't talented, the guys did what they were supposed to do. And I think it's a good sign that he was able to reach those young guys because he'll be coaching a lot of young guys this year with the Giants once again. Let's talk about the guy who's going to be in charge of the other side of the ball, and that would be former Dallas Cowboys coach Jason Garrett. And I know when the Giants coaching job opened up, you people were, were fearing the idea that Jason Garrett would become the head coach. And, and to be honest, it wasn't an idea that I was thrilled with either, but he's, he's the offensive coordinator here now. He's obviously the guy who's going to be primarily in charge of, of the future and the development of, of Daniel Jones. Just some of your initial thoughts on Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator and how he might be able to help Jones. Yeah, I did about 15 minutes with, with Jason right after the hire was announced. You can actually find that on the Giant Subtle podcast uh, in the archive if you go back and listen to it. And it was interesting. You know, he very much took cues from Joe Judge's press conference where he didn't really want to get into individual players. 
because he had an obviously he has an outside view of him, not an inside view of him. So uh, we didn't really get much into that. Though he was excited about Daniel Jones, he did obviously scout him for two games. Talked about how Saquon Barkley was somebody that you know you're just terrified every time he touches the ball. But you know he talked about, and this is kind of how he described it to me, was that you install an offensive system. But that system has to be flexible and malleable enough where you can adjust it based on your opponent week to week, but more importantly, the players on your roster. So he talked about how, you know, some years they would be a really run-heavy team. Like I think a couple years when they had DeMarco Murray, they ran a bunch of outside zone. Then other years, you know, Tony Romo's thrown it a billion times, and they were a very heavy pass team. And he talked about how, you know, the base offensive system was in place, and then when you had new play callers come in, first Callahan, then Linehan, and then finally uh, Kellen Moore, you know, they put their own little twist on it, but the basis of the offensive system was the same. And I did specifically ask him about, you know, how much the offense has evolved and your view of the offense and that system evolved as those other play callers kind of touched it and put their own little twist on it. And he says he has learned from those guys, and in his mind it's evolved a lot. And that's going to be reflected in, in what he brings here. So I think that'll be interesting. There are still some very basic things. It's a vertical offense. This is not going to be a lot of, you know, short passes in the flat, you know, stretch the field, you know, horizontally short passing game stuff. The Cowboys are on a vertical offense. You're going to see players down the field, tight ends running up the seam, deep outs, go routes, things like that, which frankly I think should fit Daniel Jones pretty well. I, you know, I, I looked at Garrett's history, and, and his, his offense is considered to be, you know, more or less the, the, uh, the Coriel-type offense. Yep. And I just keep thinking over the last couple of years, I remember when the Giants drafted Evan Ingram. And the one thing that Ben McAdoo said was, you know, the shortest distance to the end zone is right straight up the middle of the field. And that made me think about, you know, Evan Ingram and seam routes and using that speed and, and mismatches. And I think, to be honest, you know, I think about Ingram in a vertical offense because I think for four years we've seen Ingram run sideways for the most part. And, and like you, I think I'm looking forward to, to an offense that, that attacks down the field. I would have, uh, to be honest with you, I would have loved to have seen Eli Manning in more of a vertical offense the last few years. Matt, I agree. And I think Eli still played his best football when he was in the Gilbride system, which, which is different than the Coriel. It's, you know, it, it's more of that June Jones run and shoot stuff that, that kind of gets its source from. But it, that was a vertical offense. And I think that's where Eli's always been at his best, too. I agree with you. Um, and if there's one thing, and people have, you know, criticisms of Garrett and, and – and I get him. People think he may be underachieved with all the talent that he have. And I'll tell you what, going back and <laughs> I got to be honest, that I went back and I looked at a lot of Garrett stuff from like 2012 and 2011. Boy, you forget how good Tony Romo was. Holy cow! Some of the passes he was put in places with guys in coverage, it was amazing. And the fact that Cowboys only won like two playoff games with him um, is really amazing. It shows how maybe their defense wasn't very good for a few years too, but they scored a lot of points. But um, anyway, back to my point, if there's one thing that Garrett knew how to do, it's utilize the tight end. I mean, right? I mean, Jason Witten caught a billion passes, and he 
constantly killed the Giants, whether it was those little Y-option routes in the middle of the field, going down the seam, getting it mismatched. So I think Garrett's got to be salivating to get his hands on an Evan Ingram to get him in some of those mismatches. And by the way, people want to kill his blocking. His blocking has gotten significantly better since he's gotten here. Is he, is he you know, Mark Bavaro or George Kittle now? You know, pancaking guys? No. But he is not as big of a liability as he's made out to be by a lot of Giant fans out there. No, I would I would agree with that. Hey, you mentioned, you know, we kind of got into Eli Manning a little bit. We know Eli you know, retired a couple of weeks ago. I, I was able to be, you know, at the retirement announcement. I just want to get your thought, not on Eli Manning, the player, but just on, on the outpouring of appreciation for Eli, the person that we saw, you know, at that press conference and, and in the media, you know, immediately after that. So just, just some thoughts on, on Eli the person, you know, as he heads into retirement. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm happy you asked the question that way because, you know, it's easy. And, you know, you could talk about the Super Bowls, the game I always remember is the 2007 NFC Championship game. I still don't know how he played so well in that game. I think that's the best game he's ever played. Uh, just put, if you put all the conditions and everything into the equation. But – yeah, I mean, the thing that, and I wrote an article on Giants.com about this, about kind of what Eli was like, you know, away from the cameras and off the field and just dealing with him. The reason everyone that's around Eli loves him universally is because of the type of person that he is. There is no more down-to-earth, easier-to-work-with superstar that I can't imagine ever have, ever has walked on this planet. You know, he shows up for interviews. If he has to wait a few minutes, he doesn't care. If you go long, he doesn't care. If he's showing up to a television shoot, he shows up by himself driving his Toyota and just hangs out. He doesn't have an entourage with him. He doesn't like, all right, let's get going. He doesn't, you know, he, none of that stuff you would expect from a guy that has basically been the biggest athlete in New York other than Derek Jeter and Mariana Rivera for the last 15 years. And you get none of that. You get none of that. And he's just so consistent. You know, you know how it is in the locker room, Ed. In, in these post games, after and we've been a lot of losing post games. You ask certain players about a bad play they made, you have to be so careful how you word the question so the player doesn't think, you know, you're blaming them for them losing the game or you're picking on them and you gotta be real careful you tiptoe around that stuff. You can ask Eli any question you want about any play. And he will answer it the same way as if he's answering a play about a touchdown pass as if you ask him a play about an interception. He will give you the answer. He'll be honest. And he's just so easy to deal with. And when, you know, you know his nickname's Easy E, for me, it's because he made the jobs of everybody that needed him to do their jobs easy. And he made that part of it look easy. Because I think he was just always himself. He always had a smile. He was always genuine. And, and to be... That's what I'll always remember. The guy that, if you ask for an interview, he's going to do it. It's just a matter of when. And as someone in this position, as someone in your position, I, it's just really appreciated because there aren't many guys like that. And for the guy that was the most important player on the team to be like that, I think was special. Yeah, I need to, since you went there with, with Eli, I need to tell a quick story. You know, I live, as you know, I live about two and a half hours away from MetLife Stadium. So I get over there when I can. I get there as often as I can. Yep. But during, during the off season, we get a lot of these opportunities from, from PR-type folks where people will say, hey, come to this event, come to that event. 
you know, so-and-so is hosting, you know, whatever this is. Maybe it's a clinic. Maybe it's, you know, it's, it's just an appearance to raise money for charity. We can give you two minutes or five minutes or whatever with, you know, with whoever the player is. I can't go to those because I'm too far away. But, you know, most of the time when I get them, I will request a phone interview. And 99 times out of 100, they tell me no way. No way do you get a phone interview with, the, you know, with Saquon Barkley or no way you get a phone interview with Odell Beckham or, or whoever the player happens to be. A couple of years ago, I asked for one with Eli Manning. And they said, fine, absolutely, fine. And he gave me you know, a guy who he, he may have known who I was, he may not have known who I was, you know, because because my relationship with Eli, I mean, I sat in a lot of press conferences, but never really had the opportunity to speak with him, you know, in a one-on-one type setting. But he gave yeah. me all the time that I wanted, and, and I was I was blown away. And, and that that's my memory of Eli. Yeah, and, and and that's what he is. That's what he is, you know. And if you ask him to come and do something like some of our stadium scoreboard stuff or our TV content, you ask him to do something silly like put on a silly Christmas hat and like sing Jingle Bells, he'll do it. He doesn't care. And I and someone made this point. It was Michael Strahan in in the interview we did with him on the uh, Giants Huddle podcast, and he talked about how you never wanted to mess with Eli Manning when it came to pranks because he was kind of like an offensive lineman, and then the offensive lineman had no rules. They would do anything. And Eli was almost kind of like an adopted offensive lineman. That was just kind of what he was. And he, that and offensive linemen are some of the easiest guys to deal with, right? They just are. They've, they've always been. And he is just that type of personality. And, and I think when fans, you know, talk about, oh, giant fans are so sensitive about Eli, this and that, and people around them, oh, they defend him so much. It's because of the type of guy that he is. And, you know, he, he – he, He's just somebody that I will miss not being around as much as I've been around him. And look, I think Saquon Barkley's a great successor. As you know, he's a great kid, easy to deal with. Daniel Jones is all signs point that he's going to be easy to deal with, great kid. But, you know, I don't think there'll ever be anyone like Eli again. And I hope at some point he will take some type of role with the organization so we see him around the building a lot. Absolutely. Hey, John, last thing that I really want to get into, I really do appreciate your spending so much time with me today. Last thing I want to get into, you know, we're deep into the off season at this point. We're heading toward what Dave Gettleman always calls the the roster building season of, of free agency and we're we're a couple months away from the draft at this point. Just yeah. for you as you look at this team and I don't really want to get into specific players, but for you at this point when you look at at this Giants roster, what would your off-season priorities be? Yeah, I, I think that's a real good question. Um, I know a lot of people want to add, like, this big weapon outside, and I'm pretty good. I think the offensive weapons are fine. I don't think they need to add somebody, and this is such a deep wide receiver class. If you wait till that third-round pick or the potential supplemental third-round pick that people think they'll get from Landon Collins last year – and that early fourth-round pick, you can get a maybe even a round-two caliber wide receiver with one of those picks. So I'm not going out there and using my first-round or second-round pick on a wide receiver. I'm not spending big money on in free agency on a wide receiver. I don't need to. I'm happy with it. I think you're good. I do think you need to get younger at the tackle position. I think, you know, Nate Solder's going to be back. 
Uh, his salary dictates it as much as anything, and I think he's very capable of having a bounce-back year. I would be okay bringing Mike Remmers back even to a certain extent. I think he was fine last year. But I do think you need to try to find a younger offensive tackle that you can build this line around. And I don't think, unless you want to, you know, go that Jack Conklin route in free agency, I think that's tough. We saw how much, how costly that can be in years past. So I think an offensive tackle in the draft on day one or early day two, I think is very possible. And you want to try to, build a young offensive line the way the Cowboys have down in Dallas over the years. Defensively, I think that's where you got to do most of your work. And I think maybe on offense, maybe you look at the center position too, especially with uh, John Halapio getting hurt. Defensively is where you got to do your work. I think you need to find an inside linebacker that can play coverage somewhere, whether you play a 4-3 or a 3-4. you got to figure out how you're going to work that. Obviously, you need improvement of pass rusher. Even if you bring back a Marcus Golden, I think you need somebody to go with him that's going to consistently pressure the quarterback. And then I think the secondary is tricky. I'm pretty happy at safety. I think Peppers and Love, I feel good going into next year with those two guys. But you need, I think, a good third backup. Michael Thomas can be you know, the third or fourth guy, but I think you need a veteran behind them. Is that Antoine Bethea? Maybe. Maybe it's somebody else. Cornerback's tricky. Because they have so much youth there. But as we talked about, the youth had a lot of issues last year. So I do think you need to bring in some competition for those guys, whether that's a young veteran, an older veteran, or maybe even a high draft pick. You know, maybe, maybe the Giants look at Jeffrey Okuda. He's there at four, and they're like, oh, cow, we can't pass on this guy. I get that too. So, you know, same thing with, you know, Simmons and inside linebacker that can cover. So I think inside linebacker, pass rush, and I do think you need to bolster that those coverage units outside in the secondary too. And then I think on offense, you're looking at the offensive line and, you know, you add a, a bigger wide receiver in the middle rounds of the draft. And I think you're, you're on your way and, and you hope these, you, but you talk about adding players, Ed, and this would be the last thing I, I give you. And I appreciate the time today. It's been fun. I think when people get all excited about new players being added and they're going to add players in the draft and free agents, they have all the money. I get all that. I'm not arguing that fact at all. What's going to make this team much better next year, and I said this before, I'll say it again, are the young players on the roster getting better? Can Daniel Jones cut down the turnovers, continue to improve? Can Saquon Barkley stay healthy the whole year and look like the guy he did the first two games and the final two games the whole year? Can Evan Ingram stay healthy? Can Will Hernandez take that next step? Can the guys in the secondary improve? Can Lorenzo Carter become a more consistent pass rusher? Can B.J. Hill do that? Does Dexter Lawrence take that next step as an interior rusher? These are all things that really important to come together for this team to take that next step. So the new guys will be great. They'll be fun. It'll be good to talk about. But it's the young guys on the roster that have to continue to improve that are going to make the big difference next year. Absolutely, John. Hey, really appreciate your time today. If you want to uh, to let folks know if you guys have anything anything in particular coming up that uh, that we should look for, uh, why don't you go ahead and do that? Yeah, I hope to have a couple of breakdowns on some of the Grams and, and Garrett schemes coming on Giants.com at some point this week. Uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. And we have new podcasts all the time, so just go to Giants.com slash podcast. You can check it out. And if you're a Knicks fan, Ed brought it up, so I'm, I'm going to take the opportunity. Uh, you can find my Knicks podcast, The Bank Shot, on WFN.com, Radio.com, and all your favorite podcast platforms. I also write for FN.com uh, on the Knicks as well. So you can check that out if you're a basketball fan. John, I just hope, you know, having to deal with the Knicks, I just hope you're a Yankee fan too. 
I am a Yankee fan, so I do get some joy out of that. Though the <laughs> it's funny, like since, since 2001, you got that one Yankee title in there, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, but at least you win games once in a while. Well, yes, absolutely, and of course you have the two giant Super Bowls too, 2007-11, obviously. But um, yeah, look, the Yankees are fun, and then they should be a lot of fun this year with Garrett Cole. I'm very excited about that. All right, John, thank you very much for the time, and uh, maybe around the draft Anytime. or uh, sometime we'll do this again. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'll be out at the combine if you will do something after that. I'm more than happy to join you. All right, I'll be there with you, so uh, maybe we'll get together. Great, sounds good. All right, bye-bye. All right, that's our show for today. Our thanks to John Schmelk for joining us, spending some time talking Giants with us. Always enjoy having John on the show. He's a good friend of Big Blue View, and we enjoy having him on. We enjoy listening to uh, to some of his uh, his inside talk about the Giants. So hope you enjoyed that interview with John. As always, you know we thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check out the Chris and Joe Show. Also on Big Blue View Radio, if you haven't done that previously, Chris and Joe do a great job breaking down the Giants. Right now they're going through off-season reviews, beginning to prepare you guys uh, position by position for the NFL Draft. So please uh, give their show a listen if you haven't done that already. All right, Giants fans, thanks, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs. You might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.